I'm going to read Ezekiel 37 again before you come to speak, Pastor Kevin. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones in the floor of the valley, bones that were dry. He said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. And then he said to me, Prophesy to the bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath and enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put my breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone to bone. And I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and the skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. And then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breath, from the four winds, from the four winds and breathe into these slain so that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them, and they came to life and stood up on their feet. A vast army. Yes. Um, I take this um, responsibility that I have, this privilege that I have to lead in worship here at Greenbelt very seriously. Um, I don't know if you, if, you, if you pay attention to the songs that we sing, but I do not... I do not pick them lightly. I do not pick the lyrics. I do not pick the, 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 the information in those songs lightly. And this new song that we've been introducing this month, Do You See What I See? is one that I've been thinking about for our congregation. And indeed, congregations like ours. Because, um, and I've heard uh, people say this sometimes, Oh, we're just, a, we're just a little church. And we're just a small little church. And I, I'm like... I, do you see what I see? Because I see something different. I see in all of you incredible stories. Some of you, I know your stories. Some of you, I know the places that you've been and the things that you've experienced and the things that you've walked through. And you are literally a walking miracle. And it's not one. It's not two. It's not five so many of us gathered here in this room and gathered online. Do you see what I see? Yeah. And when we say, when we start saying that your you know your name is power, your name is healing, your name is life. Break every stronghold. I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. All these songs are intentional. They're made to raise us up, as, raise our faith, raise our expectation. So that when we come to these moments, we're not just going through the motions. We're here to meet with God. And we're here to see an incredible God do an incredible work in us. Amen. Amen. Believe it in this room. Believe it online. God bless you. I will not preach anymore. Pastor no, keep Lee. going, man. That was good stuff. I'll go sit back down. That's awesome. No, and I... Paul was saying that to the worship team this morning while they were practicing. And he's like, oh, one day, I hope Pastor Kevin lets me preach on it. I'm like, do it right now. Because, again, it's so easy to get caught up in our own little bubbles and assume God's not working. It's too easy to do that. And 
we need to open our eyes to the greatness and the glory of God working in our world, working in our lives, working in our church, working in our city. It's an amazing thing when we see it. And then that changes our posture of prayer, changes our posture of worship. It changes how we serve. It changes how we're generous. It changes everything when you can just get a glimpse of the glory of God at work through his children, through his church. And that's an amazing thing. Um, one of the things, just a quick announcement before I dive into today's message. Um, if you subscribe to our weekly email that goes out every Friday morning, you got a special email earlier this week uh, on just a survey. Because as we've been sharing for the last several months, we're in a season as a church that we're calling regroup, refocus, relaunch. Because COVID was stupid. And it was exhausting, and it was annoying, and it took the wind out of a lot of churches, us included, and it took you, it took, it did a number in so many different ways and so many different families all over the world. And so we're regrouping, we're refocusing, and we want to make sure that the ministry that God is kind of equipping us and calling us to do is actually building you up. Because I could sit there and just ask you on a Sunday morning, how are you doing? And you say, fine, pastor, how are you? And then I just kind of go off and I make all my ministry plans and we make our staffing plans and we get all excited about what we're doing. And you guys go, yeah, this is not helping me grow closer to Jesus at all. You know, so one of our core values is to be real. God knows what you're dealing with. God knows your hurt, your pain, your struggles. God knows where you need to grow in your faith with Jesus. I might not know it, but God does. So this survey is just an anonymous way that you can let us as the staff know how are you doing. So as we are regrouping and refocusing, especially as we're gearing up for the September launch of ministry, your feedback is greatly needed for us as pastors and elders and leaders here to kind of be tweaking what we're working on. So if you haven't filled out that survey yet, please do so. Be honest, be transparent. I will not know it's you. If you want me to know it's you so that we can follow up with you about something, there is a way to add your information at the end of it. Uh, if you didn't get the email, if you use the Church Center app, um, there's a link to it there as well. So you can definitely grab that because our heart is really, really to see you grow in your faith in Jesus. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, yeah, so that's kind of the big thing that we're, what we're doing as we're gearing up for the fall launch. It's really exciting stuff. And we're in this sermon series that we've called Becoming Like Jesus. And we've spent the last several weeks going through the letter right near the very end of your Bible called 1 John. It's a small little letter. It's only got five chapters. I thought I was going to finish it last week, and I was getting all excited to do a two-week sermon series on Christian response to government. And then I just kind of remembered I live in the most political city in Canada. And I figured, now that'd be more fun to preach during the next election. I, if I'm going to get emails from you about politics anyways, I might as well really just make it count. So I'm going to like just say, I'm going to put that one in my back pocket for a little bit. I'm just going to save that for the next federal election. And we'll have a rock and roll time actually looking what Jesus actually says about government compared to what we sometimes as Christians think about government. They're different by the way, okay, FYI. Um, and so I figured we'll just continue in this theme of becoming like Jesus, going through Second John. 
and then third John, because these are letters that are very, very easy to skip in your Bible because they're puny. They're absolutely, they're so tiny. Second John only has, put my glasses on, what, 13 verses. And it's so easy to just fly right over that and skip it, especially because most of the themes in those 13 verses, we already talked about it in first John. And so it's like, well, I don't need to hear this again. I've already read it over here. But it's in your Bible for a reason. And so I want us to explore something I think is very, very crucial for us as the church to really make sure that we grasp this. Because I've I've come to believe that this short letter of 2 John can be mishandled very easily by the church. And we can twist it to live a Christian life that doesn't actually help us become like Jesus. And so just kind of help us set this up. I want you to just think for a moment. Normally I have you raise your hands or shout out answers. Don't do that this morning. I just want you to think of your answer to this question as we start this morning. How do you explain the different Christian denominations to people who don't go to church? How many of you have no answer to that question? You can raise your hands on that one, right? Tough question, right? How do you explain all the church division in church history to an atheist family member? You don't. You say, come to church and Pastor Kevin will try to explain it to you. That's what you do. And I'm okay with that answer. Okay. Right. How do we explain division? How do we explain splits? How do we explain Christians who stop talking to one another? Right? Because John, you know, we're we're reading from John's writings. John, the apostle, also wrote kind of this rich, deep gospel. And in that gospel, in John chapter 17, Jesus prays very specifically that the church would be one. That the church would be one. And Jesus also declared that the non-Christian world, people who don't believe in God, people who don't believe in Jesus, they will know that we are followers of Jesus because we got our doctrine right and we kick people out who disagree with us. Not what he said. He said the world out there will know we love him By how we love one another. And there isn't a lot of condition on the one another. So becoming like Jesus is crucially um, important. Not just for our own edification. Not just for our own blessing. But so that the world out there will know that there's a God in heaven. A God who is real. A God who is love and is mercy and is peace, but is also just. And that ultimately this God wants to restore humanity and deal with humanity's sin. And so 
as we're looking at this idea, so I'm going to read Second John, and we're going to talk about this becoming like Jesus. And we're going to, I'm going to highlight in, in just a couple of verses into this chapter, because there is some information in here that can be used incorrectly to create division in the church. You, some of us will read certain verses in here, and we'll get all excited, because this now gives me permission to hate somebody. This gives me permission. The Bible says I can kick this person out of my house in Jesus' name. And we put a big smile on our face and we kick out everybody. And we make our houses very, almost like, uh, like a prison cell that we're stuck in. <laughs> but we've kicked everybody out of it because we're staying true to the word of God. Okay, So the big idea... That I want to give it to you before I read the text. I want this to kind of linger as we read the text. Is this. So becoming like Jesus is a journey of guarding the truth about Jesus. You see, as we are becoming like Jesus more and more in our lives, we are living a journey of having to figure out how to guard the truth about Jesus. And so let me read here Second John. If you have a Bible, I would encourage you to follow along. If you're here today or joining us online and your family doesn't own a Bible, I'd love to give you one as a free gift today. There's a stack of them in the back of the room. You can take one on your way out. Or if you're joining us online, just email me, kevin at greenbelt.church, and I will send you a Bible anywhere in the world. Okay? So let me read here from Second John. So it starts off and it says, the elder. So it's kind of, this is who's writing the letter. And it says, to the lady chosen by God and to her children, whom I love in the truth. And not I only, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth which lives in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, will be with us in truth and in love. It has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as the Father commanded us. And now, dear lady, I'm not writing you a new command, but one that we've had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. I say this because many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is a deceiver and the antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose what we have worked for but that you may be rewarded fully. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take them into your house or welcome them. Anyone who welcomes them shares in their wicked work. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face so that our joy may be complete. And the children of your sister, who was chosen by God, send their greetings. You see, so for me, this is one of these texts, and and we say this all the time here as a church, like whenever we open up the Bible, we're, we're coming face to face with the living God. I firmly believe that. I learned that in seminary. And and I cling to that truth constantly, whether I'm reading the Bible to prepare a sermon, whether I'm just reading one verse in my YouVersion Bible app, whatever it is, whenever I open this up, 
I'm coming face to face with the living God. I always, here's a little sidebar. Whenever Christians tell me I don't hear from God, my first question is, do you read your Bible? They go, well, no, not really. Well, of course you're not hearing from God. <laughs> because every time we open this up, we come face to face with God. But every time we open this up, we also have to understand that there's a context for everything that's written. I think every once in a while, we kind of like think that the Christian business, we like to put Bible verses on, on bumper stickers and fridge magnets and claim promises for me. That's not a promise for Kevin. It's a promise for someone else. <laughs> it's a principle of God, absolutely. But um, I've not been promised that I can like storm Ottawa and tear the walls down and I will be protected from my enemies. If I'm pretty sure if I storm Parliament Hill, I'm pro- probably not going to go well. Okay, principles at play, but we got to be mindful. There's a context all the time. And for me, second John, if we take the text out of the context, you're going to be left with a con. There's something here. And and I don't know if you caught it. My tone of my voice shot up a little bit here when it talks about um, not welcoming anyone. Don't take them into your house. Do not welcome them. There's something here that really has to be explored. Because over the years of pastoring, sadly, I've chatted and met and talked with too many Christians who have kicked people out of their lives. And now I get it. There, there's stuff that we got to wrestle with. We have to deal with our conscience. We have to deal with family dynamics are complicated. Relationships are complicated. So I don't want to diminish the complexity of these relationships. But we have to ask ourselves an honest question. As a follower of Jesus, am I very, very quick to shut the door on someone? Am I very, very quick to kick someone out of my life? Am I very quick to be unwelcoming? Because it's probably not what this verse means. Right, just to give a little bit of context, like just like in 1 John, this brief letter here of 2 John, it's written to battle against the false teaching that's creeping into the church. Right? It's a reminder that Christians are characterized by their love for one another. Right? It's reminding them, the church, that, that we're supposed to embrace truth. We're supposed to resist evil. Right? The, the first, this letter here, uh, Second John, and as we'll see in a couple of weeks when we do Third John, um, it talks about the author being the elder. Traditionally, this person has been understood to be the Apostle John. <clears throat> Excuse me. And here John is addressing a woman, a lady, and her children. And now this could be a literal woman and her children. It could be a Christian family. Uh, But most scholars uh, believe that this is a metaphorical reference to the church, right? A lot of the language that we read about the church is feminine, bride, right? And so there's this lady, this beautiful lady, the church, and then all of her children would be the members of the church, So there's this reminder to the church, the members of the local church, whether it's a full congregation or back in John's day, it's like this house church idea where everyone's meeting in house to house, right? And so, but it's reminding them 
of this struggle against the false teachers, the people who have come into the church. And as we've been seeing throughout this series, there's a difference between a difference of opinion of Scripture, because in the Christian circles, we have lots of different opinions on a lot of different topics. We've been talking about spiritual gifts as a church and using spiritual gifts. Some Christians believe one thing about spiritual gifts. Other Christians believe another thing. It's just different interpretation. Sometimes some Christians just have a bad interpretation. It just happens. I don't know about you. Um, I'm not perfect. It is. I know. What? Right? Thank you, Kim. I appreciate that. What? It's like I'm, my wife can affirm that. My kids can affirm it. I make mistakes. I get things wrong. And there have been times when I have stood up here and I've said something and I'm like, oh, why did I say that? That was really dumb. Like sometimes just words come out and, you try, and you're like, no, 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 come back. And you try to get it, but it's already out there. And then you got to like on the next week, you got to do a rebuttal and a correction. Well, I said this, but I really meant to say this, right? Sometimes we just say something wrong. It just happens. That's not what John's talking about. He's not talking about people who have a different interpretation or just have a bad interpretation. He's talking about evil. He's talking about evil men and women who Satan is using intentionally to bring them away from Jesus. There's a difference. Can you hear it? There's a difference between the pastor who just believes that every spiritual gift is still active compared to the pastor who believes some spiritual gifts has ended. There's a difference between the pastor that says, no, communion should be every Sunday, and the pastor who says, nah, whenever we just feel led by the Spirit, that's okay. There's a difference there between the evil person who sneaks into the church to intentionally take you away from Jesus. And, so, and, and how do we know this? Well, this is what the context of the letter is. This is why the context of this is so important. When it's saying, do not take them into your house or welcome them, he's not talking about men and women who just believe a little bit different than us. He's actually not even talking about non-Christians. Right? And this is where Bible study becomes an interesting thing. Right? Whenever you study the Bible... When you read a verse like, do not welcome people into your home, you have to figure out what the verse means. And then you have to kind of reread the verse in the context of the chapter, of the paragraph that it's in. And then you have to kind of look at that verse in the context of the chapter, and then of the letter, and then all of John's letters, and then all of the New Testament, and then all of the Bible. Like, like that's, what, that's, that's the tricky part of this, right? And so when you read a verse that says, do not welcome people into your home, well, then how does that contrast with Jesus' people to love your enemies as yourself? Same book, right? We have to figure that out. So it cannot say, it cannot mean kick everybody out that you don't like when the teachings of Jesus is love your enemies, It cannot be don't have anything to do with certain people 
um, when God himself died for you, his enemy. When you were in your sin, you were an enemy of God. And because God so loved you, he sent Jesus to save you and rescue you. Right? So we have to kind of ask ourselves, what are we defending? When is it okay to say, yeah, this person, I can't have anything to do with them. All right? Now, again, I get it. Life is complicated. Lives are messy. Relationships are messy. And sometimes in order to be spiritually healthy, physically healthy, mentally healthy, sometimes we do end relationships with people. It happens. It happens. But we got to be mindful. We're not taking a verse to give us permission to kick someone out that God might, that, that this verse is not talking about. Right? When this is why we have to ask ourselves, what are we defending? Right? So when John is asking the lady and her children, right, to make sure that they're not welcoming these people, he gives us the answer of who these people are. Right? In verse 7. In verse 7, it says that there are many deceivers. See, again, a deceiver is different than different interpretation or bad interpretation, making an honest mistake. A deceiver is a liar. It's someone who is very, very, very intentional. Right? And, And I don't know if you've noticed this. But we live in a world where there's a lot of deception, so much deception. Like it's, it's, it seems like everywhere we turn, we read one thing and we hope for certain results. And it was just like a flat out lie. And, and I don't know about you, but sometimes it can feel like we're starting to become cynical because there's so much deception out there. We're not even 100% sure what's true anymore. We don't even know where we should give our time, give our money, because there's so much deception. I can give a stupid example of this. <laughs> About seven years ago, I was dealing with a number of health issues, and I knew I had to start taking better care of myself. It took me another four years before I finally did something about it. So I just sat in my misery for four years. But I knew I needed to do something. So I was doing all of this research on how could I just get better at improving my physical health. And I finally, after weeks and weeks of research and how much is this going to cost me and all of these things, because I'm, I'm cheap. <laughs> and I, I, I actually know we call it the Christian way, good steward. <laughs> okay. I don't want to spend a lot of money on something that's not going to work. Right. Because I don't, I don't have time. I, I, I need this to work. So I was ready to slap down several hundred U.S. dollars on a program to help me get healthier. Again, this is about four or five years ago. And yeah, it was 2017. And um, I'm just about to enter in. I read it. I research it. I look at this. I look at this. I look at this. And then just as I'm about to click the confirm button, a little pop-up shows up. And I kept a screen capture of this. This was the pop-up. Even when consumers implement our product in full, more often than not, they do not, in, they do not report increase in fat loss, muscle gain, abdominal definition, or other positive results of any kind. <laughs> Reports of specific fat loss, muscle gain, abdominal definition, or any positive revo- results of any kind should therefore be understood as the exception rather than the rule. This is a fitness program. 
Why do you buy a fitness program to get fit? Then it continued. Consumers who use our products can generally expect not to see any increase in fat loss, muscle gain, abdominal definition, or positive results of any kind. It is entirely possible you will gain fat, lose muscle, lose abdominal definition, and experience other negative outcomes as a result of the advice contained in our products. Right? And I unclicked the button, I quickly removed my credit card information, and I deleted everything on all the emails from this organization. It's deception. And, and this is a silly example, right? But this deception has crept into the church. And it's not new. You see, for 2,000 years, your spiritual enemy has been trying to deceive you about who Jesus is. He's trying to make Jesus into something Jesus isn't. And we have to be aware of that. So when John is warning this lady and her children to not welcome people, who are the people that he's warning them about? He gives the answer to that in verse 7. He says, the people who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. He's very specific. He's very specific here. right? Because the opponents that John is warning the church about, these teachers, they're, they're attacking a the, the theological issue that's at the center of the Christian faith. Jesus. You see, if you can destroy the message of Jesus in people's hearts and in people's minds, then everything else falls apart. Right? Right? He's concerned, John, the apostle, he's concerned with the teachings of the church that have taught things like the incarnation of Jesus. That he fully that he came in the flesh, that he's fully God and fully man. That he died on a cross. That he was dead, dead, dead. That he was raised from the dead three days later. And again human divine in this relationship that they got a million books we could read about and still have trouble explaining it right this is john warns the church warns me warns you about don't have anything to do with anyone who's trying to destroy who jesus is you see, and this is the challenge we face as followers of Jesus, as we're trying to become Jesus, become more like Jesus in kind of this world with so much deception. You see, the world will ask us as Christians questions about humanity. And based on our position of humanity, then we have to change our view of God. And John says, watch out. Watch out. When we let people in who are trying to change who Jesus is to fit our preference, our how we want the world to be, we get it backwards. 
Becoming like Jesus is a journey of guarding the truth about Jesus. We have to let our view of Jesus change our view of the world. I let my view of Jesus change my view about money. Not my view of money to change my view of Jesus. I let my view of Jesus change my view of war and famine and disease and death. Instead of letting those things change my view of Jesus. I let my view of Jesus change my view of human sexuality. Instead of human sexuality changing my view of Jesus. That's the warning. That's what John is asking us, the lady and her children, to be on guard against. Because it's very, very easy to give in to deception. Because the deceivers... And we've talked about this a lot during this sermon series. The lie looks good. It looks loving. It looks welcoming. It looks friendly. But the more and more and more we chip away Jesus, the more and more the church has a problem. And I know sometimes like, it's funny, like if, you know, if you don't follow like Christian news like I do, if you don't find, kind of follow Christian social media like I do, it's easy to just say, well, that's kind of silly. Like, you know, we don't have to worry about that here in Canada. <laughs> and those of you who know, you know, like we have churches in Canada, churches, churches, Christian churches in Canada. They don't believe Jesus really lived. They, they don't believe he existed. Jesus is just a good idea. Good moral idea, good concept, like Mr. Rogers, put on your cardigan and your sweater, sing some songs, play a puppet show, send people on their way. Like, it, it's happening. It's here. And sadly, we live in a culture now where those voices actually have, sometimes it feels like a, a more prominent voice in culture than those who are holding to the truth of Jesus. Right? And so we have to navigate this with a lot of humility And as John reminds us in this letter, with a whole lot of love, a whole lot of love. And so what do we do? How do, how do, how can we check ourselves? Because again, what I love when we preach these kind of messages, I don't want you kind of leaving here and now blasting everybody, you know, who is starting to drift away from the truth of Jesus. Not the goal, not the goal, not the goal. The goal is to look at my own heart, look at our own hearts, and is there anything in me that might be causing me to drift away from the truth of Jesus? (laughs) Am I letting the deception change my view of Jesus? Well, there's um, a great simple way that we can check our own hearts, and it's just by answering this simple question. It says, am I running ahead of Jesus? Like this is the language that John uses here. He, uses, he says this in verse 9. It says, anyone who runs ahead right, and does not continue in the teachings of Christ. Right? So you kind of picture it like this. That here's the, the teachings of the apostles that the church has believed. And people are kind of like, yeah, that's nice. But, oh, but this is really cool. And, oh, but this is really cool. And that's really cool. And what about this? And what about this? And we're kind of like running ahead. <laughs> And the apostle like, whoa, 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 no, no, come back, come back. <laughs> okay, I know the, the church, you know, doesn't, you know, even though I think Paul is really cool and really hip, you know, and I was trying to joke with my kids this morning about how cool and hip I am, and I'm reminded daily I'm not, and I'm okay with that, right? Sometimes we keep running after these really cool ideas about Jesus, <sighs> and sometimes we're just running ahead, 
just this really cool idea about Jesus. And it's like, well, no, 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 just come back. <laughs> okay? It's, it's, we have to guard ourselves against running ahead. Are we going further or outside of the apostles' teachings about Jesus? Are we believing some YouTube video or even some preacher, some pastor who's got this radical, crazy idea about Jesus that no one's ever heard of before? I I remember when, some of you might remember these days, it was like in the early 2000s, late 90s, um, when Dan Brown's book, The Da Vinci Code, came out. Did anyone ever read that? I'm not, it's okay if you have, it's all good. Okay. I remember I was a brand new Christian when that book came out, right? Brand new Christian when that book came out. And everyone in my office was like, oh, Kevin's the only Christian in his entire, in my entire office. You know, cause I had like this poster of the passion of the Christ in my, in my cubicle. I figured that's how I was, I was doing evangelism back then. And uh, people would come up and they're like, all excited about Dan Brown's book, the Da Vinci Code. Did you know Jesus was married and Jesus has a whole bunch of kids and the church is hiding that. And they're like all excited. It's like, that's so cool. I didn't know that about Jesus and blah, blah. And I just, and I'm like, ah, ah, ah. I go, what section of the bookstore did you buy that in? And they go, what do you mean? But no, what section of the bookstore was that book in? They go, in the history section. No. It was in the fiction section. Okay? There was a whole lot of fiction out there about Jesus. Don't run ahead. If you're reading fiction about Jesus, if you're reading or watching YouTube videos about Jesus, if you're listening to preachers talking about Jesus, more than you're in your Bible for yourself learning about Jesus, you might be running ahead. That's why I tell people, that's why I give free Bibles away. Read it for yourself. You need to be in here. I mean, I share this all the time. That's actually how I came to faith. In Jesus, as a young adult in my late 20s, was because I heard about Jesus and I didn't believe what people told me about him. Because I had run ahead. (laughs) I had made up my own version of Jesus. (laughs) And then I read this for myself. And I went, wow, Jesus is very different than all the deceivers (laughs) in my life who've told me something different about him. That Jesus really is the son of God. That he really was fully God and fully man. That he truly died to take away the sin of the world. That he truly rose from the dead to prove his divinity. That he really ascended back to the right hand of the Father. And he speaks to God the Father about his children. And when God looks down on the sins of the world, on, on the church, he does not see dirty, rotten sinners. He sees the cleanness of the Son of the Lamb on the church. That he sent the Holy Spirit to empower us and to equip us and to gift us to love one another in a way that is supernatural, that you cannot do on your own, and that we can go into mission in the world, our families and our workplace through the power of Holy Spirit to bring the message of God the Son and the message of God the Father to a hurt, broken world. That's what we cling to. That's what we guard. Other stuff around it, we'll deal with the mess. We'll deal with baptism, and we'll deal with women in leadership, and we'll deal with spiritual gifts, and and we'll we'll figure this all out. 
love and in gentleness. But when that voice tries to come into your life and tries to tell you something false about Jesus, guard your heart. Close the door. Don't entertain it. Well, that's a cool theory. Maybe I should. Don't send me a three and a half hour YouTube video saying, Pastor Kevin, you should watch this video. It's amazing. I don't have time. I'm not going to watch it. (laughs) Guard your heart. Get into the word of God. Be reminded about who Jesus is. Because the journey of becoming like Jesus is a journey of learning how to guard the truth of Jesus in our hearts. So let's just pray. Lord God, as we are reminded by the amazing gift we have in Jesus, Lord, I pray for all of us here at Greenbelt, those of us online, those of us here in person, God, stir into our hearts what we truly believe about Jesus. Are we running ahead against the teaching, uh, running ahead of the teachings of the apostles, the teachings of Jesus that we get from the word of God? And if we're running ahead, Lord, forgive us. Draw me back. Draw us back to the firm foundation of who Jesus is. And God, build in us a desire to get to know more and more the Jesus that is instead of the Jesus we want. Grow us so that we can be on guard against the many deceivers. Help us so that we can defend in love and in peace and in mercy. Defend our faith in Jesus to a world that has many, many questions about him. And and Father God, I pray that you would just build in us more and more this deep desire to know Jesus. And as we grow in that love of him that the world around us would see more and more of Jesus in us. And kind of as we just continue in this posture of prayer, maybe some, there's some people here today, and maybe you're joining us at Greenbelt Online, and, and you've never put your faith in this Jesus, this Jesus who is fully God and fully man, who was born of the Virgin Mary, lived a sinless, perfect life, who taught people about the kingdom of God, and who went to a cross to die for your sin. You can be brought into the family, the kingdom of God, by just simply believing that. The Bible says that when we believe in our heart that Jesus rose from the dead, when we confess our sin, that the the Bible tells us that we become new. And you can receive that right now where you are by simply praying, Father, thank thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. Thank you that Jesus died for me. Today, I turn from my sin and I turn to this Jesus and help me to learn more about him. Help me to become more like him. I pray this in Jesus name. And for the rest of us, as we continue to worship, let's just raise our hands and worship and say, thank you, God, for the gift of Jesus. Thank you, God, for the gift of Jesus. Keep me on the path to get to know him more and more and more. We pray all this in Jesus name. Amen.